0: Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communications here at the chapter, and this is our 40th year as an organization. The chapter started in 1977 by our founder, Felice Weiner, who sadly passed away from ALS herself uh, this past year in 2016, um, after, or starting the chapter 40 years ago in honor of her mother. Uh In the early stages of the chapter, one of the things that really was done to create a community and to help provide some help and hope for people with ALS and their families, uh, people started resource groups or support groups that would allow discussion and let people know that there's someone there listening and that help is available. Those resource groups weren't always at hospitals. They weren't always um, in a healthcare setting. Uh, they A lot of them were at the home of Ben Orenstein, who is still involved in our chapter today. And over 35 years ago, he was hosting them in his home with his wife, Dottie, and he's still doing a lot to create that community and make sure that we advance the mission for people with ALS. Of course, now, years later, the resource groups are still such an important component of connecting people, uh, but they're a lot different now than they were way back then in the early 80s when Ben was hosting them and, and bringing people together to learn about what was available. Today I'm talking with Alaire Altiero who is involved at our Hershey Medical Center and Alaire is also overseeing our resource group throughout our chapter area. Uh, you can listen to our previous podcast on our website and our Podbean site and you can find it on iTunes. But today we're going to be talking just about the impact of these resource groups and how they are run today uh, to show the important growth of the chapter and how we're honoring that promise that Ben and others made so long ago and helping to advance the mission for ALS families. So, Alaire, thanks for joining us again.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony.
0: I hope you're okay with that little bit of introduction there. So, Alaire, you are in charge of the resource group program. Um, we, we went over your background before in our previous podcast, but just, like, for example, what, uh, what is your background that leads you to run the resource groups?
1: Um, well, just in case people don't know, I am the mental health professional for uh, the Hershey Clinic. Um, and as you said, I'm now um, the coordinator for all the groups in our region in the tri-state area. Uh, Background-wise, I've had uh, I, my bachelor's, uh, master's, and um, doctorate is all in psychology. Um, I did an extensive uh, residential and clinical training, post and pre, uh, pre and post doctoral, that included um, running groups. Uh, the variety of groups, including grief and bereavement groups, as well as um, overseeing um, graduate students in their um, clinical training. So groups have always been um, a part of my uh, clinical training as well as coursework, but I've always had a special love for them. personally, because I just feel that there's a deeper connection when you have a group of people who are sharing um, a similar experience.
0: Well, and that's what the resource groups do, and of course, when those first groups were started over 35 years ago, um, they weren't as specialized, and they were about connecting families, so what kind of groups are available today, uh, in 2017, to help people with ALS? What are they all the same? Are there different focuses?
1: Um, well, let me start off by kind of the defining um, groups in in general. Um, support groups in general usually would mean, as you were speaking about earlier. Uh, A group of people who have a similar interest or topic who would meet at a designated spot and there wasn't necessarily um, a facilitator or a leader or um, anybody who had a profession in um, therapy who was running it. So it it simply was just a group of people getting together to um, share, discuss, and support each other. What's unique about our groups with the ALS chapter is, though we call them support or resource groups, um, it's kind of a mixture between that and therapy because each one of our groups, and there are 13 of them right now, that are all run by a professional. So they are able to not only, or our families and patients are not only able to get support from one another, but they're also. Um, being facilitated by professionals who can offer therapy as well as educational uh, support. Um, we do, as I was saying, have, 12, have 13 groups right now, and that throughout uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and um, Delaware in our region. Uh, they vary. Uh, some are for patients and caregivers or loved ones, Um Some are specifically just for caregivers. We have some that are for caregivers of patients with vents. We have um, a group that focuses on those with frontal temporal lobe dementia um, and the caregivers of those patients. Uh, We have groups that are split. Some patients are in one room and the caregivers in the other are facilitated by two different therapists. And we even have some online and over-the-phone groups available to those who can't attend over the weekend or at the evening. So um, I think that there are a variety out there. We are always looking to see what the needs of our patients and their families are and adjusting the groups um, as best as we can to those needs.
0: And what you do as a team, because I know that you talk with Uh, Sue Walsh, who's a nurse at Hershey Medical Center, talked with Wendy Barnes, who hosts a group in Lehigh Valley. She's a social worker, talked with Ann Cooney, again, a social worker who does one here. Um, So you have different experiences and backgrounds for those. Um, And I imagine what you do is you find out what the needs are in that geography. And it's not so what you need in in the Hershey area isn't necessarily what someone needs in Cherry Hill, New Jersey.
1: That's correct. And... You know, as you were saying, everybody who's running these groups has a different background. Some are nurses, some are social workers, um, or psychologists. Uh, so that also, I think, influences uh, the the type of group um, that is 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 being run. And yes, yeah, certainly the uh, populations and the locations have an impact on what type of group uh, we facilitate. Which again is as you were saying, a, something that we all talk about as a team together, what the needs are. Um, we do uh, kind of research uh, on, on what is needed within the area, whether that's through questionnaires or um, other other ways of gathering data. So um, it, is, it is an ever-changing and ever-growing process.
0: And part of what grows out of that is not just that you're helping patients directly by giving them and, and their families by giving them a, an outlet to talk about some difficult topics. Um, but it also helps you as a mental health professional or it helps uh, you know Maureen Reed if she's hosting one as a nurse or uh, and Wendy as a social worker whom whatever, It helps them become better as a caregiver, correct?
1: Yes, I believe that's true. Uh, what you or what you cover in in clinic tends to focus more on um, the medical or objective needs, whereas in the group you get a different side of people, a uh, glimpse into their everyday lives and uh, everyday issues that they're dealing with, and so you're able to see the person in a more holistic way. I believe that does impact uh, their all-around care.
0: So at these resource groups now, part of the difference between um, what we have at the groups today in 2017 versus what uh, Ben and his family were doing in 1984, uh, which was, you know, that, that was when Back to the Future was out. It was a very different time. They were doing great work, but the chapter was a lot smaller in terms of what we offered. So a big advance of the mission today is that when you go to resource group, you're able to connect with services that are growing and different than what existed many years ago.
1: That's very true. Um, you know, along with, as you're saying, discussing uh, difficult uh, issues, uh, people are also able to uh, share information of things that they have, have learned um, and the resources that are available to them that not everybody always knows about or that, you know, you know, every profession doesn't always bring up because it's not something that we might think of. Um, But when people are living with ALS uh, in their homes every day, they are pretty resourceful on what they find that's out there and they're able to share that. And then of course our social workers are able to help them get connected um, to what works best for them. Um, But I also want to say that, you know, in these, in these groups, I don't want it to come across to people that it's always, um, you know, difficult things and crying and, and, and things that are happening in these groups, lots of times it's, it's, it's laughing and sharing stories. It's being able to be themselves again and normalize their life because we are human beings and um, there should be joy and happiness in our life. And I see a lot of that come out in the groups.
0: And from my understanding of talking with Ben, talking with people like Lauren Stevenson, Yasina, um, who did a video recently, and, and she came to us through groups and you know, talking with Ellen Phillips, our chapter president, That's really part of what was the core of the original founding of the chapter is to bring some normalcy to people's lives. Um, Like you said, the groups aren't just about, oh, ALS is tough. It's about I can say these funny things or, or be comfortable saying things here and be happy with you in ways that I can't be with other people because sometimes other people are the ones that are uncomfortable. But here we can let it all hang out.
1: Yes, and that's a really good point. I think um, oftentimes uh, people are uncomfortable around uh even friends or or family in their lives, because they feel that they have to be almost somber or uh, serious because of you know ALS, or it does make people uncomfortable and they don't really know what to say, and they start to lose a part of themselves and who they are, and forget that there's still laughter and fun and personalities and jokes and and all kinds of things. And when you come to the group, you're with other people who. Are in the same position as you are, so there's no need to explain what's going on in in your life or what this disease is. And you know, people's personalities uh, shine and show, and you get to see who they really are, um, which is not the disease,
0: but but unique uh, individuals. Yeah, on a personal level, my grandfather who had ALS, um, my dad and him went to groups, and that was in the Pittsburgh area, I believe, through the Western Pennsylvania chapter and i think my dad got more out of it with you know taking a deep breath and being able to exhale as a caregiver than my grandfather did
1: yeah yeah and you and you do find that and and for me too i think that um patients and their caregivers together are able to to open up and laugh about um you know, their everyday lives, their frustrations with each other or their their jokes with each other or just things that they do that I think sometimes when you're at home, um, you know, you're, you're, hesitant to say things to each other that you want to, and that communication breaks down. But in group, it creates a safe environment. And when you learn that other people are feeling the same way, um, I think it takes a, a lot of pressure off of, of people. And then they can take uh, that new point of view, that those new open
0: communications that they have learned, take them home and apply them to their everyday life. Right. So what we know about the resource groups today, that makes them even better at advancing the mission than back in Uh, 35, 40 years ago, is that now they're able to connect with more programs. Um, They're able to get more tips because there's healthcare professionals like yourselves and others, and uh, they're bigger. They're in more geographies, so that's a huge help because um, having one in Ben's house near Philadelphia isn't necessarily helpful for someone in New Jersey or uh, Lehigh Valley, Uh, and those expanded pretty quickly from when the chapter began. Uh, but one thing that right. I want to make sure to add on at the end here too, like I said, my dad and my grandfather went to one in Western Pennsylvania, so the national organization has grown, and there's resource groups now all over the country. There's probably hundreds of them, right?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: And he, there's
1: a there's a big community for ALS um, in regards to. Uh, you know, face to face resource groups all over, but uh, internet groups and blogs and um, all kinds of uh, support services that I would guess were not out there certainly back in 1984.
0: So now you're able to con- connect more quickly. Like you said, the internet wasn't even a thing then. So now you're able to right. be online and, and get good ideas. So, as a professional yourself, and along with the rest of the, the huge team here, um you talk with other people around the country now and say this is what's working here or these are ways that people are communicating and these are kind of tips we can share because the advice changes over years and decades
1: it does and 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 having um, resources or supports that are uh, available online or, or um, by telephone make it uh, more convenient for um, patients and families that leaving the home isn't an option. So it's it's, it's really great to um, be able to have so many different resources to tap into. Of course, you know, like I said, our, our 12 to 13 groups that we have with the chapter um, in this region, but again, you know, nationally. Um, all the other uh, supports that are
0: available. And, and so one last thing, you, we're writing a story about this and it's going to be online uh, to kind of show how we are honoring the promise of these resource groups. What are, can you give us a little bit more depth about, um, you told me about there over a thousand people hours or something like that, uh, that people took advantage of resource groups just last year that, there's hundreds of people in our chapter that go to a resource group every year, and that's true over many years. So you're able you were able to quantify that there have been a lot of people that have been able to take advantage of this service and get better care. Right.
1: That's right. I've been keeping um, statistics on uh, our average attendance. So. Um out of out of the 12 groups monthly because the 13th group that i spoke of earlier is um, just a five-week series um but our our groups that run every month once a month there are 12 of them and on average um 222 people total attend each month one of those groups um, over last year in the year of tw- um, 2016 i had 1,257 people uh, total that that went to the groups, and it's it's wonderful. So they are they are out there. I hope people take advantage of them. You don't have to be someone who likes to speak or you know wants to be um, the center of attention. You can be a wallflower and just sit in the group because it's 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 being there with other people, um, listening in, sharing, laughing, observing. Um, that I think people um, find those you know strength in numbers. Um, so, you know, I learned a lot of people talk about how they're, they're kind of shy and that's okay. That's all right. I have many people who come from the group just to be there and there's nothing wrong with that. So please, I, I hope that everybody takes advantage and, and comes and joins one of the groups and tries it out.
0: Yeah. I bet that there's a lot of people who were shy the first time and the next time they're not so shy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely, um, changes depending on what what situation's going on in your life or how you're feeling that day. And um, I just think there's many advantages uh, to groups. And, you know, even if it's just an excuse to get out of the house um, and, and, and change up your routine and do something a little bit different and meet some other great people.
0: Well, for those of you who are listening, which hopefully is a lot of people, uh, you can hear now what Alaire and others are doing with the resource groups. One of the things that really made our chapter, put it on the map at the earliest part of our organization were the groups that people like Ben Orenstein were hosting in their homes uh, to make the ALS Association, make the chapter at the time, inclusive to all people with ALS. Of course, it's still going on today to make sure everyone can feel welcome to share their happiness, their sadness, their frustration, uh, and their successes. Uh, Today, we're advancing the mission by letting them connect with more services, We're improving the ability for caregivers, professional, and family to provide better care, and we're just making the whole ALS experience a little bit less difficult for people with ALS because of these groups um, that were promised and started many years ago, and we're going to continue to do that um, on behalf of the entire ALS community as we grow and help more people. So thank you, Alair, for sharing this. You can learn more about resource groups and about our services at www.alsphiladelphia.org and go on social media to ask questions or to just follow our programs all at ALS Philadelphia. Alair, we uh, look forward to uh, learning more about your work in the next few months and years to come as uh, we help our ALS families.
1: Thank you, Tony.